Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. David. Hey, Josh. How are you? Good. How are you? We got a full house today. Yeah, we do. We got we got the, the the studio is is full. We got well, we have we have you and and I'm my here. friend Nell Scavell um, is joining us from. You, you're are you bi coastal now? I am. I'm sort semi bi coastal. I mean, you're here a lot, but you're based in Los Angeles. Well, I'm sort of breaking up with LA and seeing other cities now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So you have an open an open geographical relationship. I do. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that. Who, who else do we also have? Also joining us, Kate Riga, a news writer at TPM. Hey, Kate. Hey, I'm All in right. a very monogamous relationship with New York, unfortunately. <laughs> That's good. Me too. It does feel, no, yeah, it does, I totally yeah. am too. It does I'm feel like, like Los Angeles is sort of having a moment. I don't know. Do you feel that? Does it feel that way out there? I mean, maybe that's just our kind of point of Wait, view from I LA. Left. <laughs> no, no, you know, this is the thing is, is is that it seems that way, but you know, I grew up in the LA area and when I was growing up out there, every it's always LA's moment. Yeah. I mean, we kind of like East Coast, man, you're almost like it's almost like Europe. You're right. like it's like it's 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 so tired and old and right. and what's even happening. So yeah, I, I I remember from when I was younger that um you know, the West Coast in LA needs no pumping up that they are actually where the real world is and yeah. everything else is sad and pathetic. I will say, I mean, even being out there, just the three-hour time difference does kind of put you into a different, feels like a different world, kind of. It, well, why, why did you go sour in L.A.? It, no, it, it played itself out, and uh, I think reality has become very important to all of us, and I think when Trump won, I wanted to move back. I spend a lot of time in Massachusetts where I grew up and my dad still is there. I live uh, half a mile from Elizabeth Warren. Oh, cool. Nice. Oh, really? Wait, where does, where does Elizabeth Warren live? In Cambridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess yeah. not surprising. Well, right. she taught there. I mean, that's that's Cambridge. Yeah. In, in, okay, got it, got it, got it. All right, let me do this ad thing. Yes. All right, okay. Uh, we got to get, we got to get new, we got to get new ad copy. We've been doing this wilderness. It's true. We were out in the wilderness for, for a while. while. <laughs> yeah, we need like a, I mean, we're, we're, we need a back to school Grady's. Well, or like, what is it? I, you know, this is the thing. S- you know, there there are certain things you're supposed to figure out, like how to spell certain words or th- th- kind of things like this that you're supposed to figure out, like as a young person. And I'm still uh, Labor Day, which is, there's one that begins the summer and there's one that ends the summer. And I'm 50 and I've not figured this out. I always have to like wait for someone else to say it or something like that. Yeah. What's coming up? This is, this is late Memorial. No. Labor Day is coming okay, up. Okay. I have no Memorial Day idea. is when it kind of starts the summer. Yeah. So you clearly right, have forgotten. no idea where to, when to wear white then. You're probably making fashion faux pas left, right, and sideways. I mean, that's only one of the reasons. I'm <laughs> fashion faux pas, Kate. All right, so All let's, right. let's do this. If you're roughing it in the wilderness and traveling to some remote location, finding the perfect cup of iced coffee can be a serious challenge. But Grady's Cold Brew is here to help. Grady's reusable all-in-one cold brew kit 
is ultra light and packs flat, so it's easy to stash in your suitcase or backpack. All you need is to add water. Tapped, bottled, filtered, directly from mountain stream, no electricity or refrigeration required when you brew it this fresh. Each kit makes 36 cups of coffee for only 30 bucks, and shipping is free. Grady's Cold Brew is independently owned and operated in New York City since 2011. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's Grady's coldbrew.com with promo code TPM. All right. And All right. we're actually, I have, a, I have a cup of Grady's. Yeah, always. A cup of Grady's right here. So we've got kind of a mix of topics today. No real thread running between them exactly. But I wanted to start just by touching on this hilarious story video that came out this morning of Chris Cuomo, the CNN host. He's a brother of New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo, getting into like a verbal fight with someone who seemed to basically set him up with a confrontation on the street. Anyways, we'll talk about that in one sec. also want to talk about uh, Jeffrey Epstein's suicide and the conspiracy theories that have popped up around that. Some shocking news to wake up to on, on Saturday for all of us. And then finally, just the, kind of the state of the Democratic race. We were almost exactly a month out from the third Democratic debate. I think I saw Tom Steyer randomly as qualified for it well he's, he's like well he's qualified donors. on the donor side the donors, he hasn't maybe not on, the, uh, not on, on the polls the, yet right, right 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 so anyway starting with this cuomo thing have we all seen the video we're talking about oh yes you know i i i've seen part of it but i i have but i'm totally up on the meta discussion about <laughs> it. so i think tmz must have gotten the first clip of this as they seem to always do in these situations basically i'm not sure exactly where this took place other than that it was in new york somewhere and it was sunday it seemed to be nighttime cuomo was wearing a hat someone came up to him basically and called him fredo thought his name was fredo and fredo obviously like the brother and the godfather well wait right? he thought he, he didn't really think That's his name he was kept he kept oh, saying oh, oh i thought oh. that was your name and he's like yeah. you know you know my name i must you know i'm a, an anchor on cnn and i'll ruin your shit i'll throw you down the stairs right and right that. right um, See, to me, that's awesome. That's the perfect response. <laughs> <laughs> Don Jr. That's predictably. It. Sean Hannity agrees with you. Yeah. He supported oh, he did? him. It was a rare well, kind of moment of bipartisanship on cable news. One thing, too, is the first I saw this, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this guy's name right, Ryan Saavedra. He's the kind of one of these Trump guys who kind of is. He was the one who sort of was pushing it out a bit, right? This morning. Well, right. He. He was at least the first one I saw saw with it, and then like Don Jr. was tweeting it, and it really seemed kind of like a a a weird insight into this like feral dweeb subculture yeah. that is actually part of like the mass shootings and everything. That they clearly thought like, oh, everybody's gonna like trash Chris Cuomo, right. and from what I can tell, everybody's like. Dude, absolutely. I wish you would have like clocked him too. Well, it's what, a, what, a, what a dick. We, sh- we should mention that CNN, Matt Dornick, I think is the one of their kind of top spokespeople on the network, basically tweeted in response to John Don Jr. that Chris Cuomo did, you know, acted in self-defense. Basically, we stand by him, this and that, which... Well, ahead, I was Kate. just going to say, Chris Cuomo's entire brand is, you know, the the two tight CNN t-shirts <laughs> and the, oh, look at my muscles. So I'm not sure why we thought this display of machismo right, would take right, him right, down. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I don't want to give too many details about this, but I was um, in a, I was picking my son up from camp recently, and one of the fathers at this camp was Chris Cuomo. Oh, really? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and, and you know, they have a kind of like a, you know, parents day at camp and everything. And, you know, there's like parents swimming and stuff. And like Chris Cuomo's there, no shirt on. And man, he's cut. 
<laughs> Legitimately is, right? Got to keep up appearances. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like, hey, I'm Chris Cuomo. Right. <laughs> but not in a bad, I mean, not not like in a, like an offensive way or like, you know, but just kind of like, He's 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 legitimately in 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 good shape. He's probably and, yeah. what in his early fifties. Early fifties, like yeah. But, but didn't you flash on Brett Kavanaugh and Lindsey Graham? It had that same, you know, fuck me, fuck you, right. bully. Right. Like like what we can all agree on is toxic masculinity is a okay. Right. Well, it is it is okay. I mean, in this <laughs> no, I, you I, know, I environment, <laughs> and I no, I, I, I think. You know, I I thought it was disturbing, and don't I, understand know, why he didn't just walk away. I'll I'll be honest with you. I like I said, I I have seen all the stuff, and I've seen closed captions. I have not actually seen that. I've not seen what he. I've not seen I mean, what, they, you're, what you're talking the about. The body language they're pretty close in the videos. Mm-hmm. Someone seems to make physical contact with him, not in like a sort of punching way. Wait, but the guy his, who the guy who someone puts his hand on him or something. He's like, oh. watch your fucking hands Wait, and all this kind of stuff. Wait, but then Chris starts saying, take a swing at me. Yeah, take a swing exactly at me. Right. Like that's okay for an adult to say. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's um, I don't know. You know, some of it is I, I hear what you're saying and I agree with what you're saying, and I will admit that in that in certain contexts, I have that response. Um, when 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 challenged in an, in an in an aggressive way i'm not sure i say take a swing at me but like y- you know there's there's that kind of puffing up your chest and and well it's and give me a challenged. reason to punch you right isn't that what take a swing at me yeah basically. yeah i mean it's it's uh, you know hard to say you know there's all sorts of i don't know i i guess i'm of two minds about it because i can i can i both know what you're saying and all that kind of like hold me back, take a swing at me, all that, you know, kind of like it's it's this weird sort of like, you know, you're, what is it, Jane Goodall, you know, with the, with the, with the, with the gorillas and stuff, right? <laughs> um, but, I'll, but I'll be honest, I, 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 I don't know if it's, I don't know how much it's generational or, or I don't know, that kind of, there, there's, there's certainly a, a, a part of me that can have confrontational reactions when, when, insulted like that i guess maybe it's in the you know the time of biden and trump saying they can beat each other up that it's just got this general air of distastefulness maybe or playground kind of old school this is what it is to be a man kind of thing which it feels like we had maybe been moving away from a bit and that trump yanked us right back into yeah well i think i don't don't know what you think but i i guess you know that whole thing is not like that doesn't exist in our society existed five years ago ten years ago certainly existed a hundred years ago i think one of the things though is that is that partly with trump and this whole kind of subculture around trump that it's brought it into the into the sort of above the fold public space that that um you know that that uh, that uh, someone who's running for president's going to talk that way when you're like, dude, 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 like what you you know this is like guys at a bar talk that way, yeah. but like you're running for president, like what, like right. what this is like, and 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 that uh, that is true, but you see it with with all of in that subculture of like, you know, 
alpha males and cucks and beta males, right. all this stuff that really is right out of like nature documentaries. I mean, you could see, dom- you know, dominance hierarchies and yeah. stuff like that. And where are you in the dominance hierarchy? You could see a similar but kind of different response if Cuomo had just walked away or put his hands up or whatever, you know, maybe Don Jr. would have been like, see, you know, you're like, you can't stand up for yourself, this kind of thing. I mean, you could see it sort of going another way. Like, it's sort of a lose-lose situation, maybe. I don't know. I was sort of surprised that CNN stood behind him so strongly, just in the sense that, you know, when you're a public figure like that, you do basically represent the network kind of wherever you go. Is that really what, you know, do they want a Michael Grimm, I'll throw you off the balcony kind of situation? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's it's funny. Well, there, there's also this, this sort of... Um, little side part of the story that they're making it like it's an ethnic slur. It's not an ethnic slur. Right. I mean, come on. That's yeah. not an ethnic slur. It's it's a, you know, you're the kind of the dumb loser brother. And obviously this is this famous family and Mario Cuomo's him and, and, and uh, I'm spacing on his brother's name. Andrew, Andrew. Cuomo. Yeah. Andrew Cuomo is go- is governor of New York and has been like elected like nine times or right. something like that. Um, and, Chris is the young, I don't know if there are other siblings, but he's younger than than Andrew. But it's not like he's, I mean, I was very struck because Don Jr. has never had a job in his life. He's like his dad's butler, yeah. basically, right? <laughs> so he's never actually done anything. And Chris Cuomo, I mean, I, there's no doubt that his name and his family played a role in his career, but he's like at the top of his profession, basically. Um, so, so uh but it's not you know we know what they were trying to do there and i i don't i don't i don't i don't know i mean certainly the whole ethnic sort of that's well that but seems what, silly to but me but can you draw a line between that sort of violent talk and take a swing at me and that expression of anger to the gun violence and the manifesto and i i just really worry when someone going to what you said represents a news corporation mm-hmm. is uh, t- isn't controlling themselves. No, I, I absolutely. You know, there's a there's a um, there's a funny thing. There's a, a a psychology study that was done. I don't know, twenty thirty years ago, something like this. And they were looking at at propensities to violence, but the the early precursors to it. And a lot of it has to do with honor and senses of status. And so they did this study. I feel like it was maybe at University of Michigan or somewhere, you know, uh, one of the schools up up there somewhere. And the st- and what they were looking at, though, was because the South, historically, has always had higher murder rates than the rest of the country. In fact, if for much of the country, murder rates in the United States, historically, have not really been very much different from Europe. It's It's the South that has a very high murder rate. There's all sorts of different reasons for that. And there's always been a, a, uh, a historical theory that this is about the role of status and violence that is so entrenched in the South because of slavery and everything that goes along with it. So the study was this, and it's one of these, one of these psychology studies where the real study is the thing before it's right. the real thing is supposed to start. So, you, you know, you're an undergraduate and you sign up for, yeah, you know, 10 bucks to do your study. And you're walking down the hall to go to the, you know, supposed study. Someone's crossing, you know, crossing you, walking in the opposite direction of the hall. And that person just kind of bumps into you and doesn't say sorry, just, you know, kind of brushes into you, bumps into you and walks on. So the question is, 
do you just say, oh, what a, that was lame and keep walking? Or do you, or do you kind of turn around and say, hey, you want, excuse a, me. You want a piece of me? You know, to, to, if you see it as a challenge to your status, honor, or whatever. Okay. And consistently, the students from the South were the ones who, like, had that kind of response, that sort of anger response. You've, you know, you've challenged my, because that's really what that kind of is, kind of as, as we know and generally agree from many contexts, the um, integrity and separateness of our body is very tied to our status. Right. If you just bump into me, you've sort of and you don't say, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. You've you've you know, you've you've said that I'm sort of a, a lowlier person. You don't have to say anything to me. There's a whole other in, in gender terms that we know about touching without permission. And it's definitely true that those feelings about status, mm-hmm. about insults. I don't think it's it's there's a whole other thing that's going on with these like mass shootings and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's yeah. kernel of the same thing. I really think the through line with what you're saying now is kind of this like warped and magnetized sense of entitlement that, you know, Chris Cuomo has when someone you know, insinuates that he's less than his brother. You know, he has a sense of entitlement to his own fame and reputation, whatever. And then, you know, the mass shooters are obviously on a much more horrific scale, but it also, a lot of them seem to come from male entitlement, whether that be to women that never wanted to sleep with them or a status that they think they deserve just by walking this earth as a white man that was never handed to them. And then, you know, and it explodes in this rageful, desire to get at least infamy if they can't get the status they so desperately crave. But that is so, you know, that that ties right to Donald Trump's thing. His whole thing is baseless entitlement that he, you know, he's yeah. basically a walking brand. And yet he has no doubt in his mind that he deserves to be president, you know? No, ab- absolutely. And, and, and one, of the, one of the things that's always been interesting to me is that at least the archetypal Trump supporter is a white guy in a suburban or kind of exurban, you know, declining community. That person may be well off, but like they're in a, they they live in a place that is, you know, not on the forefront of the economy, blah, 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 blah. And it's this funny thing, you know, Trump is this rich, entitled guy who went from Queens to Manhattan Right. So he's worlds away from someone in like, you know, the middle of Pennsylvania or something like that. And yet they connect at this basic level, which, as you say, is sort of like th- that sense of grievance that, that is, is the underlying thing. And, you're, and, and absolutely with the, you know, a lot of these shooters and there is this kind of, as you said, kind of for power for sex that hasn't been given, you know, all of these kind of affirmations that they haven't gotten. Um, it's all the perceived slights. Yeah, what I should have gotten and I mm-hmm. didn't get. And I'm really mad at all the people who didn't give me what I was supposed to get. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. But it, it wouldn't it be great if Chris Cuomo put an out a statement now that saying that was an ethnic slur. I'm not Fredo. I'm Sonny. 
<laughs> I, you know, th- th- someone, someone, um, so what was it? Someone did something, so said something like this, that, that like, you know, the whole, the whole, fo- the whole, gr- I mean, Sonny is a hothead idiot who gets himself killed and almost brings down the whole family. Right. So like, he's not great shakes. He's not <laughs> great shakes either. Yeah. Cuomo did put out a statement, at least on Twitter, I think before we came in here, basically saying, he should have been the bigger person kind of thing. And, yeah, you know. not apologizing exactly, but sort of, you know, I need to set a higher standard. Apology is adjacent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apology exactly. adjacent. Which apology light. <laughs> yeah. Well, on another um, obviously uplifting topic, let's shift gears a little bit to the Epstein death. So on Saturday, I guess this was around, what, 9.30 a.m.? Yeah. I think news broke that... Jeffrey Epstein was found hanging in his jail cell at the Manhattan Correctional Center, the yeah. federal kind of jail in lower Manhattan. I think guards discovered his body around like 6.30 in the morning. There's, you know, been stories that have come out since then basically outlining how understaffed the facility was, how, you know, he was on suicide watch a couple of weeks ago. He was taken off of that, I guess, at the request of Epstein's lawyers, um, he was he had a cellmate who was transferred and supposed to have been replaced, but no one else came into the prison. All of these kind of factors have basically led to, I don't know, blatant conspiracy theories running wild on, on Twitter over the weekend. And really, they started almost immediately, it seems like, right? And reached basically to Donald Trump's Twitter feed uh, before long. I noticed just before we came in here, Trump was talking on his way to, he's going to Pennsylvania for an event today, basically saying, oh, this, the person who tweeted that was a well-respected pundit. It's fine. Like, I just want a full investigation. Attorney General Bill Barr said, you know, the death raises serious questions and he wants a full investigation. Even Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, didn't go full conspiracy, but basically said, you know, there's a lot that doesn't add up here, basically. So, I don't know, Josh, is there any way to avoid this sort of thing happening. I mean, basically, we should just come out and say it. Trump, th- what he retweeted was conspiracies that the Clintons basically arranged for Epstein to be offed. Yeah, I mean, there are... It's hard to think of an actual set of facts that is more prone to spur conspiracy theories than than this one. I mean, you you have... I mean... Let's look at the facts or or what we think are the facts is that this is someone who did a lot of bad things, had some form of sex trafficking ring going on for a couple decades. He seems to have brought many very powerful, very wealthy men into that orbit. We don't know exactly who partook of what, but a lot of powerful people. Um, a lot of people wanting him to go away and this whole thing to go away. You know, he tried to kill himself, at least reportedly tried to kill himself literally a couple weeks before. And you find out all these, I mean, it like, certainly in a novel, you'd be an, you know, if you're a character in, in a, in a TV show, you'd be an idiot not to know that someone killed him in real life. It's not quite that simple, but I mean, I will say this, everybody, there's this kind of backdraft backdraft of talk that, well, it's only coming out now, how poorly run, how poorly managed this place is, that it's under budget and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff can be true. 
but like this isn't just anybody. This is an extremely they high. Put him, pro- the, the people who knew that put him there. Yeah, you know, it, we all know in every fast in every aspect of life you have institutions places where things are terrible things are understaffed there isn't enough this there isn't enough that except when you've got like a really rich important person and the, and they make they make exceptions it all of this stuff is now we find out that like the guards weren't even i mean a he was taken off suicide watch which is very hard to get um his lawyers requested well it's not up to your lawyers. I mean, the prison, the prison is responsible. The prison is responsible for making sure you don't kill yourself. And, and so just because his lawyers, he said, that doesn't really mean anything necessarily. It turns out the guards actually weren't even around. And one of them wasn't even a, a, a corrections officer. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like, a, like a, a, a janitor or something like that. So it's, it's really hard to figure how this happened and again i don't find the well we're just finding out it's a terrible place for everybody he wasn't everybody and and everybody should be treated the same but in reality they're not so that doesn't really answer the question to me of how this happened i don't know what do you think now well i mean my first thought is how quickly our society turned uh jeffrey epstein into the victim and here we all are talking about what happened to him. Was he murdered? Was he, did he commit suicide? And we're not talking about the real victims mm-hmm. of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, you know, which went on for decades and decades. And I think it's sort of interesting. There's no conspiracy there. Then when saying he was set up, he didn't actually traffic and rape young women. Um, you know, what? But let me ask you this. It seems to me that it's not so much treating him as as the victim or at least what i'm hearing is that people think that all these other people will now escape scrutiny or escape justice that basic i mean if you he wasn't going to say anything if you look at his deposition before the fifth the fifth he took the fifth the whole way down well wait was there the was there a deposition after he was arrested this time or is that the one that the, like the, the old one the the yeah. So he was never going to talk. And I think this actually takes people off NDAs, which is great. The pilots and the housekeepers. Uh, nobody can. No one can enforce question them. The, the right, search right. warrants. Right. Right. So, you know, you still have Bill Barr to contend with and possibly cover up. You have Giuliani. I would I look at him and he he's rushing to say, let's not look at a conspiracy, which totally makes me think he's part of a conspiracy. <laughs> Well, and it comes a, right after Trump himself basically peddled the conspiracy, right? Well, it's 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 also that um, I think it was, I think it was the day the day before he died. There was this news report that Bill Richardson and you know the former Senate Majority Leader from Maine, whose name escapes me at the moment, that they were right. I don't know, had sex with some of these girls, you know, and, and, and again, these are accus. these are, I don't remember where the accusations exactly came from. Obviously they're not proven, but you kind of don't know where this is. They came from the victims. They, when they released her. Right. So that was, yeah. okay. So that's part of that 2000 pages. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know who we kind of know lots of powerful men. We know that Bill Clinton traveled with him. We know that Donald Trump, but like there's, 
we know there's a lot. We don't know exactly who. So that, I guess, is still to come out. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I kind of, my first instinct uh, was in line with Nell's, I think, which was just anger that the victims don't get to confront him in a courtroom if they so choose, which can be part of a rehabilitation process. Anger that he doesn't have to go through the public humiliation of being shackled in public or that people don't get to see how far he's fallen, I guess. Um, But then on the other hand, I guess maybe a silver lining is that his death will help some of the victims feel freer to talk or to seek I don't know, justice, their own, you know, well-being, because maybe he was just such a such a figure and such a stand-in for wealth, power, I'm more important than you are. You know, maybe at least his death will free up some of those women to talk about what they experienced, but it just seems like cheating to me. Well, there are we are living in times of great conspiracy. So one thought I had this morning was Roger Ailes falls down the stairs and dies. And he's under a huge And that's huge what it cloud. was. He had like a, like, but a brain hemorrhage, but from an injury. But was, I mean, yeah. when I read that, I thought, that's a little weird. You know, yes, people do it, but it also was very convenient. Yeah, it happened so quickly after you know, the sexual harassment lawsuits and his ouster and all that. Right. It, it was, and what, a year after he was after he resigned, but he was still, like, getting a big paycheck. Like, there was a... There and, was but leave- Trump's on right. the rise, right? right? Trump has just won, I think, the nomination. And it, it's around that same time. Yeah. Do you think if that happened today, there would have been a lot more discussion about, did someone push him? Did his wife push him? Did Murdoch push him? Did... Because... I also think the Murdoch, the fact that the New York Post got the first photo of of, Epps, of that, that of Jeff Epp, <laughs> the one where he's him. being like carted out, or which is right. highly unusual, right, for them right. to to not cover up the patient. Right. Uh, so do we do we think going back in time, just as a thought experiment, would we be treating Roger Ailes's death differently? It's a good question. I don't. I hadn't. I mean, it's sort of, I guess, revealing that I hadn't. The whole thought hadn't occurred to me. And part of it, I think, he was in his was in his late seventies. I, I don't. He was. He Sounds was about right. And he was right. definitely older. Yeah. So he. Um, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it was. It. 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 It was convenient for a lot of people. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is to me. This is one of the 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 weirdest things about the whole Trump era, is that, and I I've, I think I've written about this, that as you said, we are in an era of conspiracies, that there are a lot of things that are happening, that really are happening, right? Right. That 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 that. It's pres- that old joke, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean right, people aren't right, out to get right. you. Well, and, so, and, and j- just all this stuff about, about uh, we know that the Trump family, the Kushner family, has lots of business they're doing with these different golf princes and stuff like that. Um, we know that there's these these golf states are funding a lot of kind of shady social media stuff on behalf of you know, well, we know the Russians are meddling, right? And we know that stuff. Yeah. So a lot. So there are a lot of and and 
there's something about the whole plutocratic moment that we're in, that the whole globe is in, with plutocrats, with authoritarian leaders, a lot of stuff that, that extortion and blackmail is a very common thing in a way that it has maybe always been in certain quasi-authoritarian states where the, where, uh, the government kind of keeps things on you to kind of keep people from going too, f- so too, you know, too far out of line. So a lot of this stuff is true. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we have as a country is that that way of doing things is kind of creeping into our society. Um, and what by do, that way of doing things, I mean authoritarian leaders, blackmail and extortion as a sort of a pervasive way of organizing politics and society. Um, so that is the thing right. that, that that a lot of conspiracies, a lot of things like this are happening. And it starts to get a little hard to kind of do a reality check and say, well, okay, right. I don't think I don't think, uh, uh, you know, Bill or Don or, you know, whoever, whoever you want to point to actually went in and like killed Jeff Epstein. But like, eh, why I mean, did, how did that happen? And I think part of it, too, is it's not like America has ever been absent of these people, you know, who believe the moon landing was fake or the JFK, you know, was killed in some crazy CIA plot. But it's just Trump has been so effective at bringing them into the conversation, whether it's, you know, the QAnon stuff or, you know, birtherism. Mm-hmm. I mean, or even just fake news, right? Right. Yeah. He's the conspirator in chief. And so now it's these kind of underground things are suddenly bleeding into the mainstream. And you're seeing, you know, pretty prominent people on Twitter jumping to a conclusion of murder immediately after it happens, you know? Remember when he was claiming that the election was rigged mm-hmm. until he won it, and then suddenly <laughs> it wasn't? Yeah. It was, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, there's... Yeah. And again, I really do think that there that a, a big challenge, a big reality of the time we are living in is more and more of the action is happening underground yeah um whether it is and and it's not that things were ever perfect but in in a civic democracy you need some basic sense of if not transparency but an understanding of of kind of who's broadly speaking doing what and with trump he really is in business with a lot of these authoritarian leaders. And I'm not even talking about Putin here. I'm talking primarily about people in the Gulf. So that means it's very hard to know what's really happening, right? Is it is it really... The right, there's no visitor logs or no phone logs. Anything could be said. And we only know when we hear from the other countries. Yeah, yeah. That's and, frightening. Yeah, I mean, and, it's really awful. And, in, and in a, just in a basic sense, is it really the U.S. and Saudi Arabia in which you can say, well, we maybe have a, a bad relationship or bad human rights, but is it? But fundamentally, is it the U.S. and Saudi Arabia or is it the Trump family and this, you know, and this MBS guy? Right. And it's very hard to know what we're dealing with. And, and that is uh, means not only it, it not only means that conspiracy theories can take flight, but there are a lot of things that are conspiracies that are happening. And, and so the whole world brain gets very muddled. Yeah. Well, and you end up in wag the dog situations where you don't 
know who to believe. And I think that's maybe scares me the most that when you hear, you know, a nuclear uh, device was exploded in Russia. How do we believe? What do you know? What do you well, prove? That, that's that's I mean, what I come back to in a lot of these different, um, you know, uh, geopolitical questions and blow ups and whatever is that, again, you have certain like during the uh, George W. Bush administration, he brought in, you know, with Cheney and these people, he brought in a lot of like very right wing kind of neoconservative crazies who were yeah. who were kind of at the, you know, one level down at the Defense Department, one level down at the State Department. But broadly speaking, when they're doing something in, in, in Latin America or doing something in, in, in the Middle East, largely driven by ideology, like a very skewed and screwed up understanding of what America's role in things should be, but at least kind of like, that's your idea of how we should be interacting with the world. In a lot of cases today, I think it is a very open question. Is it that? Or does someone have some, is there some kind of Interest. payoff happening yeah. here? And that is, again, that that means the whole, that, that, that screws with democratic self-government in a profound level if you don't even if 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 you're if you don't even know that the disagreements are real disagreements as opposed to just you know money all right on that note let's shift topics once more wanted to talk about state of the democratic race josh you had a post that went up yesterday i guess kind of talking about third party spoilers first of all we had uh before we talk about that we had the Iowa State Fair this weekend, I think it's wrapping up this week, saw a lot of the candidates eating pork chops on a stick, all the kind of various uh, <laughs> delicacies that warm my Midwestern heart, I guess. Kate, have you seen any, there been any real headlines out of that? It feels like mostly just kind of stump speeches and the normal kind of politicking, but anything that stood out for you? Um, I would just say, I guess you can see some of the lower tier uh, polling candidates kind of making a very last ditch effort. You know, those who have not qualified for the next polling uh, for the next debate are getting maybe undue media attention just because there are something like 800 credentialed journalists who are flocking this fair. So everyone's trying to get a headline that no one else has, um, you know, and trying to make a last ditch effort to connect to earn those corn kernels. But <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I've seen the Iowa State Fair as kind of more prime area for visual gaffe type yeah. things of, you know, whether it be Julian Castro stepping in the, you know, the cow poop or how someone eats a corn dog and more of those kind of visual. The memory from the Iowa State Fair that sticks out in my mind the most is when Mitt Romney said, corporations are people, my friend. He was up that was a, That was, that was there. In, in yeah. Iowa? Okay. He was right. That, the history has proven <laughs> yeah, him. That's true. Correct. Yeah. Sadly. Josh, tell us about this, the post you wrote yesterday. It seems like it's gotten a decent amount of reader response talking about third party spoilers and how that could possibly tip the scale in Trump's favor? Well, you know, I, I think I, I have thought for a long time that Trump is in much weaker shape than, than I think a lot of people seem to realize. And it is, I, I think, as we all know, it is really, really hard to get past what happened that November night back in 2016. It was it was so shocking to so many people. It confounded so many ideas of what was possible and what wasn't um, that no one wants to say he can't do it again. And obviously he can do it again. But what is what is 
uh, uh, likely to happen. And it seems to me that, you know, you, one thing I go back to, almost 6% of the vote went to third party candidates in 2016. There have been... That's the total kind of popular vote. Right. Total right. popular vote. Now, there's the Perot elections in, in the mid-90s. Um, there was uh, John Anderson in 1980. There, you know, there have been times when you have... You Ralph know, major, Well, but okay, but that... But he... I, I'm sort of making... I'm putting him into the same category. You have certain elections where there are legitimately three candidates who are in running to win states, maybe even win the whole thing. There were, there were points in 92, certainly in 92, Ross, and less, yeah. so, less so in 96. But when, you know, he was, he was someone who yeah. might win the presidency. So I'm distinguishing between those cases. And the spoilers. Yeah, and these ones where, where, where you know, people are getting 1%, 2%, And when you're in that category... Almost six percent of the vote is a huge amount of the vote, especially when it's when it's spread across three different candidates. And obviously, what that does is it it brings the race down into the mid forties. That people are vying for you know it's a forty I think twenty sixteen between Trump and 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 Clinton was like forty six to forty eight more or less. Um, and what we have seen with Trump when he was a candidate through his presidency is he has support in the low 40s and you know he gets up to like the mid 40s but he almost never gets above 45 percent in a legitimate poll so obviously he needs the race to be pulled down yeah. into the mid 40s and the way you do that is to have third you know third party candidates um and we 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 talk a lot about the electoral college and that is obviously the the exact mechanics of how 2016 happened but again, you really need the whole contest to be pulled down into the mid 40s. So I I'm surprised that people aren't talking about this as a bigger part of the equation, because it's not clear to me Trump can win in a more or less, you know, two person one against race. yeah two person race. He just there he cannot get even close to 50 percent of the vote. So you have a. You know, like a Tulsi Gabbard, you know, being a Jill Stein candidate. Maybe you have a Mike Bloomberg, you know, let's say Elizabeth Warren or Sanders is the nominee. Then you have like a, a Michael Bloomberg getting in or a, you know, that Starbucks dude, Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, you know, getting in. And suddenly you give, you know, a few points here, a few points there. And, and then 45% is something that you can work with so this is so big and yet it's not even you know we're talking about oh you know who's going to be the democratic nominee and and who you know which countries are is uh is trump going to collude with this time you know in this cycle but the third party thing is like huge and it's it's barely it's barely talked about yeah, yeah. i was gonna say i've only really seen chatter about the spoiler thing when howard schultz was still somewhat active i right. guess because then it seemed to be such a, a wave of backlash of you know how dare you you billionaire you know come in here for your own ego and then look at what you might cause and that i don't know i mean he was shut down pretty thoroughly it seemed well it's it i think part of i mean a because it was a totally assholeish thing to do and he needed to be <laughs> shut still, down are you still boycotting starbucks in the wake of this you know, I'm a Grady's man at this right. point. Anyway. I'm not even thinking, I'm not even thinking about either. Starbucks. Um, but the, the but, but I think what what made it so egregious and made it so negative against him is that okay, let's say Sanders is the nominee. 
anybody who goes third party in the center or the left, man, they're dead to me. I mean, that that is, there's no excuse. But you can at least see the logic from some people's perspective, right? Some people would think, oh, I can't, I hate Trump, but Bernie's a socialist. I need another, I need another third option. But here, there wasn't even a nominee. Like, dude, give it a, give it a chance. Yeah. You know, it might be someone you might like. But no, you just are an incredibly arrogant dickhead, <laughs> and you just need to do this. So, like, there wasn't even, like, even on its own terms, there wasn't even a rationale mm-hmm. to do it. It was just, you know, 100% pure ego trip where, you, where if it happens later, it'll be 98% right. ego trip. Right. I mean, where has Jill Stein been? Is she... Is she running Moscow. as a green? I think she defected. <laughs> green party? I heard, not really. She's not I, in the mix. I heard someone say, I can't remember who said it to me, that she's at least given signals she doesn't want to run again. But I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. uh, Gary Johnson, will he, do you think he'll be the libertarian again? I have no idea. I mean, there will be, a, there's always a libertarian candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Republicans would ever fund someone to run? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, 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 I Here think we're back to our conspiracy theories. Well, it's but that, you know, that's not a good, that happens. That, yeah. that happens a lot. There have been many cases. Um, and it's not just Republicans where one party will kind of like push some money in the direction of a third party because it's advantageous to them. Um, it's not always illegal. You know, you can give money to whoever you want. Um, obviously you have to do it public, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, I, I think you are like let's say um if i mean obviously gabbard is not going to be the nominee but say she starts talking about running third party i have no question that you're going to have all the right-wing media kind of you know putting her on fox constantly trump will talk her up um i'm sure whatever you know we haven't seen the sort of the the the, the group, he hasn't selected the group of countries he's colluding with in 2020, or at least it's not official yet. So, you know, but those are going to, they're going to, you know, RT and, and China Daily or whoever, you know, whoever's yeah. going to be he's working with, they're going to be pushing it. So I expect a lot of that. And in some ways, it's media as much as money, because you just need it mm-hmm. to be part of the conversation, right. a certain, you know, 1% to, you know, vote for them. I mean, Gabbard in particular, after the debates, you know, you saw people online on Reddit or whatever going to those very unofficial online polls and, you know, flooding them and on all the, you know, uh, chat boards being like, everyone vote for Tulsi. And then she won this like ridiculous online poll and her campaign immediately sent out an email, you know, snap poll, Tulsi wins the debate. And, you know, that was the hill picked it up and you know added disclaimers but you know then there that's out there right. that's yeah, all it takes right. she does right. seem she does seem ripe to kind of break off in that direction she sort of like is out on a limb like that or marianne yeah marianne, sure yeah although but she, here's the thing though you just get some billionaire to agree to a mass purchase of some books and she'll She'll fall in line. That's right. Yeah, that's, so that's, <laughs> that's not right. a problem. I actually saw a Marianne for President sticker when I was on a run in Brooklyn recently. So the support is out there. There was I saw a sticker too, but it was it know what it was? It was bizarre. I actually tweeted this. Near my house, you know, here in New York, there's constantly scaffoldings everywhere because there's constantly buildings being whatever. And one of the scaffoldings, there's a there's a sticker, and it's a sticker of Yoda. And like Marianne twenty twenty. <laughs> right? It was something like that. I forget what the what the actual yeah, image was. What about, yeah. I, I tweeted this morning because Jeb Bush was attacking Trump for the huge budget increase, which I thought was great. And so I 
tweeted back at him, like, why don't you run? You know, why don't you stand on a debate stage and make the point to his face, and I promise we'll all clap. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a response? Um, not yet. But okay. what, what do you think about some brave GOP well, you have Bill Weld, mm-hmm. who is running. Has been in Iowa. Right, who's, who's I guess, making some whatever of it. Yeah. But he's weird. And yeah. he's been weird for and a long time. And he's been out of the picture for out a while. Of, out of the picture. Well, out also, of... also, he doesn't have the backing. Like, if Jeb Bush said, I'm going to take him on, don't right. you think... I mean, he made... He got $100 million last time. Maybe he'll get 10 <laughs> this time. 10 bucks, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 it's... Funny, you know, Trump is overwhelmingly popular among Republicans. It's his party he now. Is, yeah. It is totally his party. Yeah. And he is, he's, tr- it's, it's a fascinating thing because, you know, at first there was this just faction who liked him and everybody else hated him. And then there was that faction and the other people, they might still hate him, but he's a Republican and we don't want Hillary. But it's, it's not just that they've, it's not just that they've kind of, gone along with it he's changed them yeah no, or at Lindsey least he's, Graham or at is, least he's yeah. brought to the surface things that were latent but but were not like and it's 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 uh it's striking i mean it would be it would it would certainly be interesting from a journalistic perspective yeah. um i'm curious i mean the way bernie took on hillary in 2016 is there right. anyone who would take on Trump? I just I don't know if there's that same appetite. I think it's kind of what Josh is saying. But if you looked at the reaction of like the Larry Hogan's or you know the Kasichs when people were speculating, you know, will they make a run at it? Will there be a reasonable Republican in the race? You know, both of them pretty quickly were like, there's no there's no hunger for it. You know, there's no appetite. There's no one who's looking for someone a Republican who's not Trump. Or are they just afraid they'll get trashed by him personally? It's funny, Or the cable news network that supports him, right? Right. I mean, but it's funny because Hogan and Kasich have this, Hogan even more in that, was it Charlie Baker, the guy in in Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah. They have this kind of lane they're in where they criticize Trump fairly frequently. They're Mm -hmm. very popular in in their pretty liberal states. They do criticize Trump. But it's almost like, you know, in, in the Soviet era, there actually were four or five political parties in the Soviet Union. There was the Communist Party, and there were these, there were these other parties that gave sort of like a patina of like multi-partyism. And they could criticize, but not much. And that's kind of their role in, you know, it's, it's sort tisk, of... The tisk party? Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's sort of like with, uh, you know, when uh, Kemal Ataturk created the Turkish Republic, he... Basically, he was very popular. It was, in essence, a a one party state. But he also is like, we need some opposition parties, so he created opposition <laughs> parties. And and those guys sort of play that, you know, kind of play that role. Yeah. The little tisk tisks to kind of, you know, give give the GOP a little access to to certain states. But I think you start running for against him, then you're you've taken it too far, and mm-hmm. and and things could change for those guys. But the other the other problem I think is that in the nature of things. The people who the Republicans in the Trump era who can exist in basically blue states have to be pretty low energy, right? They're pretty calm and they're pretty boring. So they're not the kind of people that uh, I'm trying to think. Who's who's that guy that what is his name? He was a total nutcase Tea Partier. He got run out of office 
a few, he's like Illinois or Michigan or something like this. Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, right. Yeah. And so he's, he's on, on cable news. Like, and he's on CNN constantly now. Okay, I don't I see him on Twitter. And I mean, he was the worst of the worst, but he's a big anti-Trump guy now. And you see him like, you know, he's, he's retweeting like all these liberals and stuff like that. Someone like that who is who is a you know a fighter and a and a kind yeah. of a crazy himself that's a kind of a different yeah, thing because be you could see him kind of really bringing it to Trump not that he's going to beat Trump but really creating some commotion but the guy in uh you know the baker guy in um in Massachusetts or Hogan in Maryland i mean they'd be like oh trump don't be mean <laughs> you'd just be who cares right yeah. it's like right. what's, what's yeah. going to happen all right before we wrap up wanted to share an update on a story we talked about last week out of Texas that Kate has been following. So I'll just sum it up, Kate. You can let me know if I miss anything. But basically, the Republican Speaker of the House in Texas was in a meeting with the head of the caucus, the Republican caucus, and a kind of right-wing activist guy where apparently the three of them discussed, or maybe two of them and the Speaker you know, excused himself, Mm -hmm. basically targeting a bunch of Republicans to go after with a super PAC is a damaging recording of it. Um, Apparently embarrassing for everyone involved. Um, What happens next? Where did I miss? Well, since then, I spoke to a state representative, Michelle Beckley, who's reportedly the only woman who's on the recording, and she's a Democrat. Um, On the recording in the sense of being criticized on the recording, not being, okay. Right, right, right. Uh, So essentially the House Speaker sent out a mass email saying, you know, I I apologize, I used horrible language, etc. And she was quick to accept the apology to move on. She's in a very, very swingy district. So she, you know, it doesn't help her cause to go go head to head with the Speaker. But uh, then she found out that the Speaker had issued personal apologies to every Republican he insulted on the recording and every male Democrat he recorded. So she (laughs) is the only one. And so she reached out to his office, I think, in more of a, was this an oversight? And they, you know, they never responded. So then she got angry and started talking about it more. Um, And she actually is a Texas A&M alum. So they have an informal Aggie caucus in the Texas House because there are so many alums. And so and she said it's a Republican heavy group. So she's more friendly with some members across the aisle than others are. And so she went to them when she started hearing tell that her name came up. And uh, she said that they didn't play her the recording. But the sense she got was that it was very misogynistic and that the tone of some of his comments were, you know, of a homophobic nature, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So um, she said her sense on the ground is that the Republicans are just very angry, very disgusted, very shocked that he would do something so boneheaded right before a pretty critical election um, in Texas. So she gets a sense that he is on his way out, um, that the Republican uh, caucus chair will probably suffer a similar fate, you know, and since then there's been a, a probe launched, a public integrity probe um, that the Texas Rangers will carry out. The Democrats have sued. Why'd they bring in a baseball team? In the- <laughs> <laughs> so a statewide effort. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then the Democrats. Have, it, they sued to hear the recording? The Democrats sued Bonin, yep, in right. an attempt to get the recording into the public domain. It's kind of wild that, that no one has heard it yet, right? This recording. I mean, there's been all the coverage of it, Republicans in the state saying it was super, it would be super damaging if it was released. And mm-hmm. no one has like leaked it. No one has 
you know. Okay, let me. This is kind of the question that we talked about last week. But the mystery to me here is like, okay, I mean, it's him on the tape, mm-hmm. and maybe there's this legislative leader guy, but but right. presumably it's mainly him. Mm-hmm. So if it's so damaging, why don't I just let it come out and let him get bounced? It's it seems to be damaging in a way. There's something that doesn't fit here. He's talking. So as damaging as it is, it's him. So do we have a sense of why Why do these other people who are, you know, the victims, so to speak, they want to keep it secret too? That doesn't I mean, the only fit. explanation that I've been getting is that they think it's just going to be easy, cut and dry, attack ad materials for Democrats to say Republicans are in turmoil, you know, they can't even get along with each other. How do you expect them to govern? It's, a, it's also a golden age of denial, <laughs> along with a golden age of conspiracies. <laughs> right. Right. And so you just don't acknowledge. I guess, but it doesn't seem to be going away. That's mm-hmm. what I don't. I mean, if that is true, and I agree with you, I think it is true. I don't get why, because it's not like it's not like this is the governor of the state. Mm-mm. It's you know, it's a legislative leader. So I don't get why, like you know, Cornyn or you know, kind of big players in Texas Republican politics don't just go to this guy and like, dude, you got to go, you got to resign. Because once he resigns, it's, you know, it's sort over, of basically. like it's then you can then you can sort of more plausibly say, all right, we don't need you know the other Republicans can say. We don't need to release this. It's he's an idiot. It's done. Bye. But here, like you're like, it's so bad. We have to make sure no one ever hears it. And also, great luck to you, Speaker, who's right. still Speaker, yeah, and, we, and yeah. you have our full support. Kind yeah, of thing, yeah. Just who's doesn't... still in his first year, so it's not like he couldn't have engendered that much loyalty. Yeah, you know, exactly. he's only been on the job for months. So yeah, yeah so that is really the, the the mystery. Why hasn't this guy just been forced to resign? Yeah, it just doesn't compute to me. Well, keep us keep us posted, Kate. What you mm-hmm. hear about it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I gotta I gotta say a few things now. All right, so uh, I need to remind you that Grady's. Cold brew iced coffee is totally awesome, and I am I am I am literally well, I'm not literally drinking because I can't <laughs> actually drink when I'm talking, but I have been drinking it through this episode. It's really really good. Um, definitely support our sponsors if you want to give it a try. Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM, and also remember subscribe to TPM yes. because because your subscriptions are uh, what funds the company that and, makes this show. And check out Josh's post on the site yesterday. For for some kind of behind-the-scenes yeah. explanation, numbers, of kind of how the whole operation works. It's yeah, exactly. With, with exactly. You can find it on the site. And I think we may actually do a... Weren't you talking to Joe about we would do like a little mini episode yeah, I think we that should. Just, just talks about like how the company yeah. runs and, and what we're doing with our subscription. So it'd be kind of like, well, a, a mini episode where we just like, you know, bore you with a, a bunch <laughs> of like, you know, uh, uh, budgetary figures about, right. about TPM. Anyway, um Subscribe to TPM if you are a a listener to the podcast. We have a special offer for you, which is 20% off. You go to talkingpointsmemo.com slash deal, Um, a a special offer that is only available to podcast listeners. And if you... If you made it this far, you might as well subscribe. Well, but also if you're not a listener and somehow someone tells you about what I just said and you haven't listened to the podcast, you will like explode and die. So it's actually, it's only for podcast listeners. So, all right, I said all the stuff. All right. (laughs) Later. Bye. 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 Bye.